Walter Dobbin, the Brass, and Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio making his fortnightly appearance. It's his fortnightly appearance in the program. He's the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com, Eric Longenhagen. Eric Longenhagen is the guest on this edition of the program. As he does roughly every two weeks, Eric Longenhagen endeavors here to analyze all prospects. Of particular note in this case, Eric Longenhagen has not technically been everywhere, but he has been many places over just the last two weeks uh, since... Longenhagen last appeared on Fangraphs Audio. He has visited, uh, he has flown from Phoenix to Cincinnati and gone to Louisville and back to Cincinnati to Philadelphia and Catasauqua, one imagines, Catasauqua, Redding, Scranton, Lehigh Valley, Newark, and then Bentonville and Fayetteville, Arkansas, finally Springfield, Missouri. And Longenhagen's travels form the basis for the conversation that follows. For example, a conversation of some Phillies prospects at AAA Lehigh Valley. Dylan Cousins, Reese Hoskins, and Camp Perkins. A conversation about some Phillies double-A prospects at Reading. Scott Kingery and Andrew Pullen, in particular, uh, part of Longenhagen's trip. Also involved, as I said, Louisville, which is where the ACC tournament was held, where he saw, for example, Virginia center fielder Adam Hazley and Louisville first baseman and left-handed pitcher Brendan McKay, both of whom are almost certain to be selected in the first round of the 2017 draft. Uh, plus, uh, uh, what else Longenhagen did was he went to Fayetteville, Arkansas, where the NCAA regional at Fayetteville was being held. I asked him, first of all, what is a regional? Some some people, including the host of this program, are not entirely familiar with the structure of the College Baseball World Series and the larger tournament of which the College World Series is a part. What is a regional? And then uh, he explains about some players like Missouri State's Jake Berger, who is also very possibly a first-round prospect in the draft. So all of this is to be discussed and has been discussed and will be discussed. Time past and time future, both present and time present, probably, is what uh, is what one wants to say. What else does one want to say? Well, for example, uh, that Fangraphs memberships exist. For a reasonable sum, one can invest in Fangraphs membership, support the good work that occurs at Fangraphs.com and at Fangraphs Audio, for example, and at Fangraphs Audio. For a slightly less reasonable sum, one can acquire a Fangraphs ad-free membership, which will allow one to to browse Fangraphs.com without the burdens of banner ads, uh, allowing for faster loading speeds, and also uh, to allowing one to be emancipated from the burdens, from the distortive effects, is what I mean to say, of advertisements. With that advertisement having been uttered, allow us now to turn to a much more promising conversation. What is it? It is Fangraphs City. Who does it feature? Lead prospect analyst of Fangraphs.com, Eric Longenhagen. And when does it begin? Right now. Can you hear me okay and everything? Yeah, I can. What house right. is $90,000? This house that I just sent you, that's a beautiful little house, and it's, it's located close to town in Norway, Maine. Wow. Yeah. Do you know what that would be per month, not including your homeowner's insurance? 90000 like, Huh? 90000 No, per month, do you know how much it would cost to live in it? No. Roughly $500. How do you have that calculated? Well, if you look at the Redfin page... Uh, it takes into account your down payment. Now, maybe you don't have $18,000 oh. to put down. A lot of us don't. Say you put down 5000 you still only be paying $600 a month. 
That includes homeowner's insurance. Never mind, bro. That's much less than I pay in rent to live in Tempe. Yeah. Yeah, to live in Tempe. What do you say? Tempe or Tempe? Uh, the accent's on the first syllable. And they'll correct oh. you here if you if you accent the second syllable. But I want to talk to you about how – this is not a very long conversation. But I want to would like to share with you how I feel as though some people have said to me, they've said Tempe. But who, what are they saying? Why are they saying that way? I don't know. Maybe people who end up here after growing up in a different region say it mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Hey, I want to talk to you about this house that I'm going to send you a link. All right. Tell me how. Tell me if this is effing adorable or not. Oh my god. Both. Oh of these, yeah, it really is. That's effing adorable. And here's another one for you. This one's only. It looks like a, like a Japanese, like a red Japanese toy robot. Yeah. A house. Well, but like maybe a little more rustic than that. Sure. And then here's another house, also red, also adorable. Mm-hmm. You know how much that one is? Sixty. It says sixty-six thousand. That house is sixty-six thousand dollars. That's pretty sweet, Maine, huh? Yeah, that's that's walking distance to. It's got some now that has a sillier interior. You're gonna want to do some work on it, but but yeah. Does it have the Graceland shag carpet on the ceilings? It, well, not on the ceilings, but it does have it on the floor. You know, I tell you what, you want to move to Maine. That's what you want. You got to move to Norway, Maine, maybe, or Hallowell, Maine. Gardner, Maine. These are all towns with vibrant centers, vibrant town centers. Do you do you like to drink, Eric? You can go out and drink in any of these towns. Do you like a nice cup of coffee at any time of day, but in particular in the morning? You can go get it in any of these towns that I just invoked. Would you like to go to a specialty craft beer store? Gardner, Maine has one of the best of those. And and and. Uh, you know, you're not far from Portland, Maine. You're within an hour of Portland, Maine. There's a, a, an airport there. It will bring you anywhere you want. I'm selling – I mean, listen. And it's – you know who it's perfectly situated for? Is you and your wife, girlfriend, wife, girlfriend? Wife. Wife. Yeah, okay. That's fine. <laughs> so, sometimes people aren't married and that's okay, Eric. So I try to be sensitive to that, okay? Right. I can't remember everyone who's married or not. But – you're a young person who works on the internet. That's perfect for Maine. She's a teacher. Do you know there's a shortage of teachers here in Maine because it's hard to find people under under 45 here. So that that's a problem. But you guys would be invited into the community with open arms. Guarantee you. All right. Guarantee well, you. Come. I know we yeah, started. And talk- your expenses would be so much lower. Your expenses. Your overhead. You'd have hardly any of it. We've started talking about where the next place that we want to go is, but mm-hmm. just there's just baseball has to be involved in some respect. Yeah, and Maine doesn't isn't necessarily chock full of baseball. So I don't know. It sounds nice every time we talk about it. It sounds like a nice place to to live. Let me let me ask you this question. What would you say is probably the most successful? Well, name the name the name the top three most successful baseball programs over like the last five years. College baseball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Vanderbilt, LSU. Okay, stop there. Okay. Stop. Stop there. Stop there. <laughs> what was that? What was that first one you said? Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. I'm glad you. I'm glad you mentioned Vanderbilt. Who's Who's Vanderbilt's coach? Tim Corbin. Tim Corbin. 
What's one thing you know about Tim Corbin? <laughs> he's from Maine. <laughs> oh, he's from Maine. Is he is he from Maine? Well, actually, he's technically he's from New Hampshire, but but he he played for Maine or he coached for Maine or he did something with Maine. I can't absorb his baseball knowledge by walking on the same soil that he did. Yeah, I'd be close to the Cape, right? So that's like one positive thing. I couldn't be further from it right now. No, you would have you would have to go into the ocean. You would have to start going into the ocean to be further from the Cape right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give it a couple so. of years, that ocean will be close. <laughs> yeah, it's getting there. <laughs> it's getting there. Watch out. Yo, that, uh, you, talk you, to people you, who are like, we're going to run out of water here in Arizona and, uh, soon. I'm like, no, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta, you got to learn how to uh, – what, a desaline? There must be a word. There must be desalinate. a better word. Desalinate. you got to desalinate that water. Yeah, as soon as you could desalinate it. I remember uh, – I asked – I remember a friend had gone before me to see Kevin Costner in Waterworld. And he, I said, well, what did you think of the movie? He said, he said, in the opening scene, Kevin Costner pees and then he drinks it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, well, what happens in like the next two and a half hours? And he didn't really, he didn't have as strong an opinion about the next two and a half hours. But he really he starts weaving in plot elements from the Postman in. They just sort of mm-hmm. blend together. It's bad. All I know yeah. about Waterworld is that it was bad and. What I can infer from Dana Carvey's HBO special, where he does Ross Perot talking about Waterworld. Oh, that's oh, that's an interesting way to have. That's all I yeah consumed I that film. Yeah, we also have. Hey, listen, uh, you got your double A, uh, your double A. Hey, how about this? Huh? Name. How about this? Name this. Who was entering the season? Right, if you were just, to, or even right now, if you throw out a name for the top prospect. Let's throw out a name. Who was the top prospect entering, entering the season? Uh, in all of baseball or for yeah. the draft? Yeah, yeah, entering, well, entering had, all of I baseball. I had Yohan Moncada at number one. Okay, you had Yohan Moncada. Where did Yohan Moncada pass most of last season? Through Double A Portland. Double <laughs> A Portland, Maine. And you know what? Guess who? Guess who he was in? Guess who? Guess who batted? I forget it. Right before or right after him? Guess who batted? Andrew Benintendi. Oh, Andrew Benintendi. Where did Andrew Benintendi appear on your preseason list? Number two. <laughs> number two. Okay. So what, I just so saw those guys. I just saw Portland over the week. Uh, was it last weekend? Yeah, I heard. I actually heard a game that you attended. It was that was the extra inning game, wasn't it? Yeah, the thir- yeah, that was the second of a doubleheader that evening in Reading. Yeah, thirteen yeah. innings and it ended in an Andrew Pullen walk off. I, I mean, you know, that's how you. That's how you would have. That's exactly what you would have thought walking in. <laughs> Andrew Pullen going yard. Pullen's actually put up some good numbers. This yeah, year. Phillies has. prospect. Phillies. Phillies. Corner outfield prospect? Yeah, they tried him at second base for a while early in his career. He was a, a high school draftee from the Pacific Northwest. With It was like, you know, a hit-before-power type of uh, prospect because he's small. He's like, he's 5'9", 5'10", probably. He might be listed to 5'11". And so, you know, you don't project a whole lot of raw power onto those guys. And so he was always seen as a guy who would have to get there because he hit enough. And you hope that he worked that he'd work out at second base so that he wouldn't have to hit as much yeah. as he would in left field, which is Would really, you call him a real Dario Pisano? <laughs> I'd call him a real Andrew would, Pullen. Okay. It, it's it's a kind of a unique swing. Um I you know, I saw him he like retired for a time last year. 
because his development had kind of stagnated and stuff. So it's good to see him back and having some success. And, you know, after seeing him, I do think that he's got a shot to be a big leaguer of some capacity. Mm-hmm. But, like, I've talked to a source who has seen him recently, too, and we kind of think it's probably as a bench outfielder. I don't know that he's going to be able to play every day. Yeah. But he's he's definitely an interesting prospect. Wait, he retired, huh? Yeah. I, I The details are kind of cloudy publicly about why. I just think it sounded like, from what the Phillies have put out there, uh, in the past, like when it was happening, that, you know, he was just frustrated and needed some time away from the game, and they were cool with giving it to him, even if it was sort of uh, formal. You know, it wasn't just like an informal, like, go take some time. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he did technically retire. But it was, he's, you know. A lot of paperwork for retiring, I assume. Or at least some paperwork. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting that he did, that that's the case, because there's nothing really, now you mentioned given the relationship between his offense and his defense, that there's not necessarily any um, – there's not it's not a lock that he's going to become a major leaguer. But you look over right. his profile. I'm Well, no, I'm not I'm not asking you. I'm looking I'm looking over his profile. I was using the pronoun you. That's the second person to, to mean one, really. It was really – I meant to the third, the third person singular. One looks over his profile. And there's a – it's somewhat promising, certainly a lot more than uh, other players. And he, uh, he's, you know, he, he doesn't really strike out that much. No. And uh, he makes, he, you know, he's made decent contact. So mm-hmm. you think, well, there's something there, you know. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, what about the, what about, let's go right to your wheelhouse. But but uh, I guess this ends the part of the show where I attempt to sell you on Maine. On Maine. But I think we did. We established you want to talk about amateur prospects. You mentioned the Cape. I didn't even have to mention that. It's only a couple hours away. Uh, Tim Corbin, you know, has essentially constructed the top top uh, program in college baseball. He has main roots. And then you, you know, your top two prospects entering the season both played in Maine. All right. Noted. In, in addition to Mauricio Dubon. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who who I think was uh, probably uh, who has been underrated if not if he's not now necessarily. Rafael Devers is there now. But yeah, yes, yeah, is. I get it. I get it. Okay, it's okay. All right, all right. Now you're not going to see a ton of college ball. Now Maine, the University of Maine was good in like the mid '80s. They had like two or three seasons, I think, and they made the College World Series one year. Um, I'm gonna fi- I want to find out here. Let me put this on the agenda. I'm going to find out to you about the format of the College World Series. Still escapes me. I know we got some conference tournaments, and then there are regionals and super regionals. Yeah. I think there's one uber regional. Uber regional. It takes place in Berlin, mostly. <laughs> yep. And uh, But we'll get to that. But I guess now we've accidentally gotten onto a conversation about how you were recently in Reading, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I've recently been in a lot of places. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, you were in Fayetteville. I know that. Uh yeah, you well, you're you're back. You're safely, you're safely ensconced once again at your home in Tempe, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, but let's let's be clear. You were uh, you were a number. You flew well. Of course, the last time we spoke, you were en route to Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and you were going to be. Oh God, there's a lot to talk about because yes, mm-hmm. there's also Cincinnati and Covington, Kentucky. 
And, and we, we, we were only just getting to the bottom of exactly which place your actual human body would, would be. <laughs> so, so that's also on the agenda. So Fayetteville's on the agenda. Covington's on the agenda. But we're going much like a, um, much like an art film. Uh, this will not be taking place in chronological order. Eric. That's fine. So We can Tarantino our way through the podcast. That's fine. Yeah, let's get this. Yeah. Let's get to Reading, Pennsylvania. Okay. Where you found – what? Did you visit family up there in Saka – was it Saka – Sasquatch? Catasauqua. Catasauqua. Yeah, I did. I had, My cousin got married, um, so I was home for that. And I saw family and friends over like a period of three days in between games. In the, Yeah. And I – you know, I hit um, – I hit a – Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs and Columbus Clippers games, the Phillies and Indians AAA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's why how uh, – I know you wrote about Austin – no, no. I was thinking – no, no, I was – You were thinking today. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about Crawford. today and I was thinking about how Austin, Me- Austin Meadows and Clint Frazier were from the same region. They were drafted at the same time, but it was Austin Meadows who was selected by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Clint Frazier was selected by the Cleveland Indians but then traded to New York Yankees. His, his present, he is immaterial to this conversation. <clears throat> okay. You saw Lehigh Valley. I saw Lehigh we, Valley uh, against Louisville. Yeah. Okay. So that was in Louisville? No, that was in Lehigh Valley. <laughs> oh, that's strange. Yeah. Okay. Now, oh, wait, 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 all right, all right. That's also added to the agenda, but let's actually get there first because I want to ask you, I think it looks like we're going to hit some Phillies prospects first, okay? Yeah. Uh, Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins yeah. is a first base prospect um, for for the Lehigh Valley Iron Bigs, I guess, and, mm-hmm. and for the Philadelphia Phillies. He had a bit of a breakout last year, but uh, I think you said out loud and probably also uh, wrote in print. Um, uh, it's encouraging, no doubt. However, we always have to consider the effects of Redding's ballpark, which right. helps in particular right-handed power, I believe. Yeah, it's – and he's a right-right college first baseman, which is a t- the type of prospect that you and I have derided on this sh- show before. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Redding, Redding does things, the offensive prospects. We've seen it a lot over the last decade or so. Uh, you know, many of the, the big-time Phillies prospects that have come through there just haven't quite panned out the way people anticipated, and that list is pretty long. Uh, so yeah, but he hit on the road too, and I think there there's undeniably some some big league tools there. And I've talked to organizations who really like Hoskins as a player, and uh, and yeah, so I saw him. I've also spoken with scouts who saw a lot of him over the last two years, and like haven't seen him hit a breaking ball hard. And mm-hmm. there looked like there were some recognition issues when I saw him, uh, but he's got big raw power. There's some back control there. It's just – it's going to be hard for him. It's good that he's solving Lehigh Valley. You know, AAA is a tougher test than AA just on its face. But, like, Lehigh Valley's ballpark is kind of cavernous and uh, certainly not nearly as hitter-friendly as Redding is. And so the fact that it looks like he has – that he solved it is really encouraging. But he's – it's they have nowhere to stick him in Philly because Tommy Joseph is one of the few guys in the big league team who's actually hitting. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle it, but it looks like they're going to leave him in AAA and see if the second half of the season yields uh, anything different, see if 
Triple A pitchers can figure out a way to force them to make some adjustments, which would be good too. So, but yeah, I it was a limited look. Um, I still feel pretty comfortable with the the forty five future value that we had on him over the off season. Uh, I think that still feels about right because uh, I think if he does pan out, then you're looking at you're probably looking at like an average everyday first baseman if he pans out, and there's just risk there because, like I said. Right, right profile. There's some stuff that scouts don't like, but uh, so there's maybe you know like a half grade's worth of risk to to take down the future value a little bit. But he's a good prospect and certainly much better than your typical small school. He went to Sacramento State, you know. So yeah, I was going to ask you about that because uh, if you, you one would assume one would assume that uh, if a guy is a first base only prospect, um, he has succeeded based off of his ability to hit. And if he's hitting that well and he wasn't drafted at, out of high school, then maybe he went to a big program. But Sacramento State is not a big program. Um, they've produced very few major leaguers. Buck Martinez, it appears, is really the most notable of them. And Hoskins himself was a fifth-round selection. It's not It's not exactly the pedigree to which you point um, expecting that um, it, will, it will become a major leaguer. And yet... Um, there's a reason, there's promise here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, That's, the, the fact that we're talking about a fifth rounder like this already, you know, in Triple A mm-hmm. is it's good. It was a good draft pick. Yeah. Uh, he, what's that? He's from. Um, he's that's the WAC, huh? Was it Western Athletic yeah. Concert Conference? Mm-hmm. What else goes on in the WAC? Uh, that's like um, Cal State Bakersfield, Grand Canyon University. Uh, Seattle University. There's some interesting prospects in that conference. Oh, is Port is University of Portland in that too? Yep, New Mexico State. Okay. All right. Just curious about the WAC. They have their conference tournament down here in Mesa. Okay. Uh, another player from Lehigh Valley of uh, who has made. Wait, what did I say? Lehigh Valley. Yeah, Lehigh Valley, mm-hmm. uh, who's made multiple Fringe Five lists this year. Cameron Perkins. Cameron Perkins. Cameron Perkins has hit quite well. Here are some questions about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the main question about him is: Do you uh, do you regard him as a as a possibly average center fielder? No. Okay. You no. understand he's played a bunch of center field. Yeah, he's played all over the place in the last couple of years. First, third, all three outfield spots. He's another kind of interesting college hitter. He went to Purdue. Um, he has he has like a St. Louis Cardinals vibe about his prospectum. Mm-hmm. What do you think that? Mm-hmm. How would you interpret that? Uh, that statement. What did you think that mean? St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, they well, what they've done particularly well uh, is to find guys who are probably bat first, selected in the tenth round or later. Although it doesn't have to be quite that late, but not the rounds you would expect to be producing major league value, and maybe um, maybe not precisely qualified for the defensive position at which they're being deployed, and yet sufficient uh, not to, I guess, not to have their pitchers defect. What do you think about that? Uh, Yeah, I think that's... I would describe it as uh, certainly the bat-first element I 100% agree with, and then I think they push them aggressively on the defensive spectrum just to see how it works out, and I think it does mm-hmm. a little more often than um, someone who's, uh, than, than like, someone like me would typically think. I'm pretty stingy about my shortstops and stuff defensively. Uh, know, so that's, like that's I've always known that about you. Yeah, so Perkins is, like, that guy where he kind of looks like 
it's first base only, but he makes it work at a bunch of different spots. And he's one of these guys with, you know, no batting gloves and uh, doesn't have like a ton of of power in games. It's sort of a it's a flat swing. But yeah, I mean, the, he's a he's a big, strong dude, and the power on contact is is good. He's also probably what twenty five at this point. Yeah, not young. Something like that. He might even be making, older yeah. than that. He turns twenty seven in September. Uh, okay. So, so yeah, I he's he might be if if you think I didn't get uh, a great look at him. I, the interesting thing. With Perkins would be, I wonder if anyone's seen him play a bunch of different spots, because uh, he might be an interesting like four corners bench. You know what? You know, you know what I'm thinking. Hmm. He could be. He has a bit of a Jose Martinez vibe. Are you familiar with Jose Martinez? Yeah. It, and it's and Jose Martinez was actually, um, well, he's on the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's. I don't know what he's doing for the Cardinals momentarily, or if he's been. If he even belongs to them still, he's employed by them still. Uh, but Jose Martinez was in the Royals system for a while. That's when I started to know. But he's also uh, Jose Martinez is a giant. He's six foot six, I think. Yeah. So Perkins, wow, he has played a lot in center field. Yeah. He, he's always been like um, he's a forty runner, but he's leggy. He takes big strides. So mm-hmm. maybe it's, would you say good straight line speed? Yeah. No, that's not what you're saying. Oh yeah, that is. It's what certainly you're better straight line speed than he has like horizontal quickness. Because like I didn't like him at third. I think I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if he hasn't played third in a while. Uh, I just know I've seen him there. So maybe I want you to know like, something. When you write straight line speed in any of your posts, yeah, I hyphenate straight and line. Right, do you know that? I, you're I think invited I do it to do consistently. You're invited to do that, okay? Because <laughs> otherwise, you're like, because maybe straight is an adjective that modifies a noun, a, a noun made of two words, line speed. I don't know what line speed is. Maybe that's the the, the velocity with which. Uh, Someone consumes cocaine, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. That would be your line speed. That was where my brain went when you meant, when you. Fair enough. It like but so uh, straight line speed, you want to make sure that uh, you are indi- you want to indicate to the reader that the line goes with straight. straight. So you okay. straight. So I'll hyphenate it from now on then. Line, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. That'd be really like great. if I were to say Carson Sestouli is a pedantic. I wouldn't want to hyphenate it <laughs> because it's yeah because <laughs> it modifies particular case right. yeah so I wouldn't have to hyphenate it right though you want to make sure you're talking about the whole of the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's me yeah you, you could but if I were to say example. you were like you had a it's fine <laughs> <laughs> I'll hyphenate it I think we nailed on. it uh, brief digression from this digression. Um, Blue Apron. You mentioned <laughs> no. Oh, that's, that's funny. Um, <clears throat> oh, you mentioned big. T- you mentioned Purdue. You mentioned Cam Perkins went to Purdue. Yep. And then and you said well because and, and you also asked me this question. You said what do you think of when you think of Cardinals baseball? Let me let me come back to you with the with a uh, similar type of question is what do you think of when you think of Big Ten baseball? Because that that to me Big Ten's weird because it's such a it's such a formidable uh, sports conference mm-hmm. um, when in you know in football and in and in basketball, but it is not uh, it's not necessarily the same in terms of baseball. However, you do have people like Tyler Tyler 
Tyler the lefty who was selected like fifth overall. Tyler J. Tyler J. Yeah, yeah from Indiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does sort of sneak up on people. I think. Um, Jay Cody Sedlock was a first rounder last year out of Illinois as well. Mm-hmm. Schwarber and uh, Kyle Schwarber and Sam Travis were both Indiana guys. Ricky Jay was Ricky was Ricky Jay was he also out of out of <laughs> Illinois? Uh, you're, that one's over my. Or is head. he 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 may also be an American stage magician. It's oh. either who's <laughs> notable for uh, for the yeah anyway the. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so, like yeah so Maryland is technically a Big Ten school and cranks oh, out interesting right. prospects. Including Brandon Lowe. Mm-hmm. Jake Cronenworth, too. Both the guys on that, that team who are having sensational years mm-hmm. uh, at uh, Port Charlotte, the the Rays Florida State League affiliate, are Big Ten guys. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, you know, I think... And we've talked about this before with Mike Trout, but I do wonder how much just the weather impacts how much guys in those areas of the country get seen by people who make decisions early in the draft. Because you just can't waste your time. Like if you're if you're a scouting director or like a national cross checker, like you just can't waste your time starting a season in a place that it might be snowing <laughs> that weekend. So that's why like the Big right, Ten tournament it's a lost is, look essentially. Yeah. yeah. So like the Big Ten tournament when there are prospects in the Big Ten is is heavily attended because it's an efficient look at all those guys, and the weather's better at that point usually. It wasn't it wasn't two weeks ago though? There was there was a day in Louisville when we had clearly lost the after like the late games, and uh, Louisville's not that far north by the way too, right. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm just. But saying, it's like, only is... it's only like two and a half hours from Bloomington, Indiana, where the Big Ten tournament was. So I was like considering, since our games in Louisville were rained out that day, I was considering driving up. But those games got banged too. Kyle Schwarber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he went to Indiana, which you mentioned, I think, a couple minutes ago. Yeah, but I'm just I'm just beginning to connect the dots right now. On that comment. So you did go up there though, because what? Oh, no, the I weather was crap. No, I considered it, but they they curfewed the last game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they couldn't. They had delays up there because of weather, and they couldn't play the last game because it was after a certain point already, and like they just weren't allowed to do it. Uh, so I didn't go. Yeah. But yeah, Perkins. But you're right. You're right. These northern looks. Yeah, mm-hmm. the northern situation is what you're talking. So about. yeah, but that's that's the road Cam Perkins took us down, I suppose. <laughs> Hey, and what what's the so um are you familiar you're familiar with Chris Mitchell, right, who writes for fangrass.com? Mhm, I think so. And does good work by way of his Cato system? Yeah. Cato projection system. I was showing scouts in Fayetteville the uh his Cato stuff on hitters. They're pretty interesting. Oh, that's it. They were. Yep. You yep. know, I could see why I could see why if 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 a scout was willing to embrace it. And here's what I like about Cato. Um if nothing else, although I think there are other other virtues to it. It's an organizing principle, right? So you say, listen, I, I, or Chris Mitchell in this particular case, selected some objective indicators that correlate with major league success. And he found out how well in this, you know, in, you could do it with college, but you can do it with minor leaguers. But he, he sent us a secret college document. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
and then he spits it back out and he's and I think he's very good about not uh, not regarding these as gospel but he says but I think it is effective as a way of as like an organizing principle so if you look at the the Cato rankings you could say uh, no I would move this guy down because I know this about him right because mm-hmm. I think um, KJ Harrison has appeared at, at the top of some of those lists that Chris Mitchell sent along to us KJ Harrison from Oregon State. Oregon State, who you and I talked about on this podcast two like years you? ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it was – he sent us two – he sent us the one that where the three years of college are weighted more evenly, where Harrison and like Florida's J.J. Schwartz were up near the top. Uh, and then he sent us an updated one that sort of weighs the sophomore and junior years more heavily. Okay. Uh, which but I know, the thing with the, based on the, the people in the industry with whom I've shared the list, they thought that the updated one was much closer to the way uh, their board looked. Yeah, and it could be board. just like a way of like a, a way of arriving at like a generic breath list or board, right? Yeah, yeah, and what it does like a point like... from which to to work off of. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and the, and and the other thing is. Um, the, the way that you know, obviously, the human input would would benefit that is because KJ Harrison, I believe, um, is officially regarded as a catcher by Cato, maybe, or at right. least as someone who has caught. But I think that that I don't I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Catching is not necessarily in his future. Uh, I think every Northwest area scout would have liked to have turned him in as a catcher, but I think he's. I think he's only caught like four or five times this year, so it doesn't sound like everybody got a good enough look to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. And, I mean, I isn't there a reason that. why he's not? Well, I guess he was blocked. Uh, blocked. Was yeah, blocked, blocked uh, by Logan Ice. Yeah, Logan Ice. Right. Yeah, Logan Ice, who was quite good uh, last year. As a was he a junior last year, Logan Ice? He was. Yeah, the uh, the Indians drafted him. Yeah. And uh, he was excellent offensively. In addition to having a pretty defensive, a pretty good defensive reputation, his uh, his start, his professional career was was uh, less auspicious, I guess. But um, but I think he had a good defensive reputation, if if nothing mm-hmm. else. Does that sound right? And then he became an offensive force as a junior in a way that yeah. people didn't expect. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, and one of the scouts that was interested in. Uh, Chris's work is actually a guy who's been scouting for almost 40 years and like he's going to retire shortly mm-hmm. and it was still just like so what are the statistical factors that most heavily influence this and I was like well it's so if you want like that's why this guy is scouting for 40 years is because that's the way he sort of approached those 40 years mm-hmm. was with that sort of mindset uh, that sort of open mind is what uh has helped him. Has helped, yeah, and led him to do things like move Brandon Belt to first base full time, you know, on his report, and yeah. uh, sign Greg Maddox. <laughs> that's a strong one. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. That's a good one. Um, so I, I had originally invoked Cato uh, not to discuss uh, KJ Harrison, uh, but to to call attention to Dylan Cousins, and to and as by way of asking you about Dylan Cousins. Uh, because I believe Dylan Cousins had appeared in one, a recent top 100 list produced by Cato. Yeah, at uh, number one. Yeah, and He's number uh, one in the stat-only version. 
Right. And so, uh, so can you give me an update about Dylan Cousins? No, I can't. I, I believe you he, probably uh, saw. If, oh, no, he didn't play. <laughs> I saw him take one at bat. He pinch hit. That was it. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, he, you know, he's striking out a whole whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, do you have his play? Yeah, appearance? I got it. He's over over a third of his plate appearances okay. currently, which is not necessarily commensurate with some of um, his earlier performances in the minors. However. He also hit 40 home runs last year, right? Which and hit and stole 21 of 22 bases. Yeah, I can say that physically he looks unbelievable. I've been watching mm-hmm. Cousins since he was 18 years old, and at that age, when you're six six, he was probably six six two thirty five already at age 18. I mean, there's a reason he was recruited by the University of Arizona to play defensive end. Uh, and so I think they, like I at that age, probably thought he was going to be bigger as he got older because you mm-hmm. just have to be to play, you know, defensive end in the Pac-12. 235, it sounds huge for a baseball player, but it's not cutting it on the front four in the Pac-12. Um, so, but he looks better physically than he did at 18. He, he really looks really good physically. And he wasn't ever a guy that you thought power was, his power was, Maybe it was being caricatured a bit by Redding, but you didn't think that it was a mirage because he went to the Futures game and you watch him take batting practice back-to-back with Eloy Jimenez and uh, Kristen Stewart and some of the other elite power prospects in baseball, and this guy mm-hmm. has as much, if not more, than any of them. So that was never the issue. Um, yeah, you're not really you're not worried about the, right. the influence of Redding. It was just he did strike out a whole lot last year at, at Redding. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and there just aren't many big leaguers this size. Uh, and obviously Although, Aaron Judge is setting some impressive... I was going right to say, now. the one who is this size is the leader in war uh, in baseball, except for Mike Trout, who's not playing right now. So, Do you know that the Aaron Judge is second in wins above no, replacement? No, I didn't know right that. Now? Yeah. Did that surprise you? Yeah. It kinda, yeah, I mean... To, yeah, I'm not surprised he's having success because there's a reason I put him in the middle of the top 100s because mm-hmm. I thought he was a really good prospect. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, and yeah, I mean, you could go back and read the report if you want, but he's, and I've said it on the podcast before, that's a guy who has made adjustments at every level. He's mm-hmm. been solved and then fixed it every at every level. Uh, and, you know, he struggled in the big leagues last year. Now he's fine. Cousins hasn't had to really do that yet because he's just always succeeded despite the strikeouts. I do think that uh, – I don't think that the stolen base numbers are going to be, like, quite as crazy as they have been historically yeah. for him in the minors. I don't think he's going to put up 20 steals annually in the big leagues. Uh, but he might, like, swipe 8 to 12 bags. Yeah. I have to correct myself too. I hadn't uh, I hadn't checked the updated wins above replacement leaderboards for position players. Aaron Judge is third now. Mike Trout's still first. Who's second? Coming in at second is. I mean, it's you would have guessed it. Is it a position player? It well, yeah. This is for the oh, position just player is it leaderboard. Is the only player besides Aaron Judge and Mike Trout to have crossed the three win threshold? Naturally, is Zach Cozart. <laughs> okay. Sure. Sure. <laughs> You had that, right? Yep, totally. Yeah. Wow. Uh, 
At a University of Mississippi. Baseball is weird. I didn't know that, yeah. Ole Miss. Yeah, that uh, it looks like Dylan Cousins actually went to Chaparral High School, but you probably weren't, which is in what, Scottsdale? Yeah. You probably weren't there yet, though. Nope, wasn't there yet. Yeah, but uh, but uh, I bet it makes Chaparral High School somewhat interesting. You say, well, produce a talent like Dylan Cousins. Well, they've got Luis Gonzalez's son for this year's draft. Well, that seems uh, like it's probably promising. Second time. or third round, probably, uh, under slot, sort of mm-hmm. attached to San Francisco. Um, they've got another – they got a center fielder there named Blake Paw, who's probably going to school, but has – uh, he's a center fielder with some raw power as well. Scouts mm-hmm. kind of want to see him hit at U of A, but he's got some interesting tools. Yeah, that's a talented program. I've been on their campus. It's huge, huge, it's like a college campus. Chaparral High School. Yeah. How many students do you think? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, it is a decent question. Just uh, add that to my bonus fide, bona, bona fides as an interviewer. That question. Let's see. Let me check some things off the agenda here. Uh, Big Ten, I asked you about the Big Ten. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Redding. We talked all about Redding. Uh, we have, we haven't mentioned – I think the big one at Redding is – No, no. We, oh, we didn't mention Redding. We were talking all about Lehigh Valley. Right. The big one at Redding uh, is Scott Kingery. That's the guy who – I mean like Rafael Devers was in there. He had a terrible game when I saw him. Yeah. Um, and like you see some other interesting – and we talked about Poland. But Scott Kingery is the guy who you show up and are wondering if it's – like you're going to find out now whether or not it's real. Yeah. Uh, so just for context, like Scott Kingery was Philly's second rounder out of the University of Arizona a couple of years ago. And he played next to Kevin Newman who's in the pirate system. Is that right? Yeah. He and Kevin Newman okay. were the, the two middle infielders on uh, the Arizona team in I guess it was 2015. Yeah, the 2015 draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, that's University of Arizona located in Tucson, Arizona. That's is that correct. right? Yep. Okay. Tucson is an hour and a half drive from Tempe. Tempe. Okay. Uh, so, but yeah, so he was like the, an elite hitting, plus plus running, excellent defensive second baseman. But he was sort of a slightly built guy, and scouts weren't necessarily sure that he was going to have enough power to profile at second base. Uh, so that's why he slipped to the second round. And there was no chance that he was going to play shortstop, uh, so you know he moved back there. Uh, he hit six career home runs at the University of Arizona. Yeah, with composite bats, six career home runs, and now he's yeah. what at sixteen this season. Seventeen. Seventeen. All right. So and again, Redding is involved. It's the ballpark helps that, right-handed helps right-handers more. Helps everybody, dude. <laughs> yeah, but let me. You want you want me to give you the yes, the give me the actual figures. Let me give you the updated. This is courtesy Stat Corner, uh, which is uh, owned and operated by Matthew Carruth, former writer for Fangraphs.com, and a, a, a fine fine person all, all on his own. Uh, no, in fact, you know what? Yeah, okay. So for left-handed batters, the uh, the home run park factor Reading is 126. That's 20 26% more home runs than one might expect, or relative to league average, I should say. Uh, and then a 149 for right-handers. So one and a half times basically the number of home runs you'd expect to see coming from right-handers. Mm, yeah. But, of course, uh, Scott King Reeves played at other ballparks besides Reddings. Uh, the, point, the point is he's got 17 home runs. Right. So uh, everyone's curious about whether or not that that's like a legitimate thing. 
And I can say that there's a subtle mechanical change, I think, with his footwork where he's incorporating his lower half into his swing better. That the, I think that there's more there's more power in there to a degree. I don't think he's, like, going to be a 30-home run guy. Uh, no. I'm not going out on a limb saying that. I don't think he's going to be a 20-home run guy. Uh, but there's definitely more game power there now. Wait, but is it Cesar Hernandez a 20-home run guy? Freddie Galvis was. Okay. What was Cesar Hernandez? I don't know. He was like a four-win player last year, though. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, and his, he's hitting for more power this season. But okay. Cesar has always been like a single-digit home run guy. Um, but yeah, like I think Kingery is really interesting, and I think the Phillies are going to have a tough decision on their hands when deciding between he and Hernandez, who it seems like is – is a pretty legitimate good big leaguer at this point. I know I know that 2016 was sort of anomalous, but he does seem like he's worthy of being an everyday player. Uh, and I did. There are people. I did a, a Phillies centric podcast where they talked about the idea of moving Kingery around, and I said, you know, that I that I think center field is the most reasonable option if that's a thing you're looking to do. But he might be a, a plus plus defender at second base. So I'm not sure that that's that's in the. Hey, comments. let me ask you a question. When when roughly would you say is the double like the Eastern League All Star game? Kingery's uh, in the Eastern League. It's when, a little when later. Roughly... I think I want to say it's like later in July. Later in July. Okay. Yeah. There's there's a very good chance. I think you have to say there's above a fifty percent probability that he will be that he'll already have a 2020 season by the All Star break. He's got 17 home runs, as we noted. He's also 13 for 15 stolen base attempts. And, you know, given what you're saying, there's at least, he at least has a month, you know? So he's 2020 by the, and I, and I, I tell you what, 2020, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. It's, uh, somewhat arbitrary, right? It's two, right. you know, it's two round numbers, 2020. However, I did a thing, I just did a brief study on, uh, 2020 seasons. Uh, the post a couple se- a couple years ago, in like almost uniformly, 2020 seasons, they're like four wins. Oh yeah, this is a couple a couple years ago. Michael Brantley in the value of a 2020 season, um, and I think I found that the like the average was five wins as among for those players. The worst season I could find was a Chris Young season, outfielder Chris Young from yeah. 2007. Uh, which makes sense because he paired out with a lot of strikeouts. Corey Hart was down there. Matt Lawton. Bobby Abreu had a tough one. A lot of these are because of de- defensive inefficiencies, though, or defensive problems. If you were looking at that, again, this is from a couple of years ago, talking about Michael Brantley. If you look at a player who, who, and you're suggesting, from what I hear you say, is that Kingery is at least an average defender at second base, right? Oh, yeah. Comfortably. Okay. Already. He's right. all, I think he's already an above-average defensive second baseman. Okay. Well, all we need is average, right? Because an average second baseman, just based on his positional eligibility, is going to be two and a half wins, roughly, um, on the positive side, above above average. So if you look at players who were 20, 20, and added something, added positive value, any amount of positive value on defense, the worst season in uh, from the years at which I looked, and I, I forget the precise range of years, but it was uh, oh yeah, it was a ten year range, two thousand four to two thousand thirteen. The worst season was two point three wins. That was Reggie Sanders in two thousand four. He he had twenty two home runs, twenty one stolen bases, and he 
uh, played a slightly above average uh, defense. Was he in San Francisco and, at that point, or was he still in Arizona? 2004. I can tell you that in a moment. Okay. But I can. But I think that what's essential to note here is that if you're if you're hitting 20 home runs and stealing 20 bases, that that is not. It might be arbitrary. Those might be arbitrary thresholds, but they point to a player doing something real. You know, yeah. he was with the Cardinals then. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it looks like he was playing a lot of corner outfield, but I think he was probably a really good corner outfielder. Um, was Reggie Sanders? He was a really cool player, actually. Yeah. Reggie Sanders. He was a really cool player. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of value. Um, so yeah, that's that's a good arrangement. Hey, actually, Michael Brantley as a comp for Scott Kingery. Is interesting. Different sides of the plate. Right. Although I guess Kingery's got more defensive value. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, um, Michael Braley makes a lot of contact. He's an interesting player. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you uh, think – do you think – we've talked about the guys who you just don't – like there really aren't comps for the uh, Jose Altuve's of the world. Um, right. Do you think that? Although you know, uh, it's interesting. Wait, wait. Can I just make a point about yeah, go ahead. Jose Altuve? Maybe when Jose Altuve shows up, there aren't any comps. He, there's no comps. You know, past historical players. This I'm sure there is somewhere, right? But you don't. But we're talking about you're talking about like readily accessible near. You know, um, recent recent history, right? Right. But I wonder if the if you know, um, obviously Jose Altuve has been fantastic, and so maybe. You see, not, if not a flood, then at least a, a, a greater trickle of of uh, you know Jose Altuve types physically. Yeah, I guess somebody has to be the first guy. I mean, there are guys in the minor leagues who look like that. The question is right. if they're given a, given a chance and succeed at the major league level. Um, but I'm, I've seen Kingery and I saw Luis Orias in Springfield yesterday, and I just feel like an an overwhelming number of uh, individual guys who just sort of are mold breaking seem like they're second base, second baseman. Yeah. So, so Pedro, uh, Dustin Pedroia is another guy who scouts are just like don't you just don't comp anybody to Dustin Pedroia. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you do, isn't it kind of? Well, no, he's a tough right. So it's interesting. You would accept that's what you're saying is. He's going to be he's going to be one in a thousand or one in a million or something. Right. It's hard you can't comp to a player like that because players his size aren't supposed to do what he does. Uh, second base, yeah, is a, is a sort of a breeding ground for that sort. So yeah, they're kind of uh, misfits, and the best of them can be quite good, but they don't necessarily they occupy all of the spaces where they're are you know where they're sort of um, maxing out. Um, skills that are not accounted for by tools sometimes. Uh, it, you, you mentioned Luis Arias. That's a that, – just to be uh, to be clear, that's San Diego Padres, second base prospect. Now, if, now playing a double A or – Yeah, he's a double A. Okay. <laughs> he's <laughs> a double A and he's – Where, where, still, where like, is he's his double A? still? No, okay. He, he turned 22 days ago. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And he's hitting he's, he's, 330 at AA with more walks. He's walking and more than he strikes out. Yeah. yeah. More walks than strikeouts. Um, yeah, he was really good last year as a 19 year old at high A. And by the way, uh, once again, to credit Chris Mitchell, Urias has been at like the top of that list for a couple of years. Yep. Towards the top of the list. 
because he was a, a Arias was a, a a middle infielder then playing mostly shortstop, um, but uh, who made tons of contact. And those are those two qualities have a, a lot of uh, power, um, especially over the relative to the youngest prospects that Cato will cover. And now, but now, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. So last year, Urias is really good. Yeah, he's good. He he walked in seven and a half percent of his plate appearances. I want to imagine these numbers in your head. Mm. Walk rate seven and a half percent. Do you see that? Yep. And stri- strikeout rate six point eight percent. I apologize for the decimal, but it's a little bit important uh-huh. the, for this particular case. So do you see those seven point five and six point eight. Right. Okay. If you were to roughly – so this year at double he's moved up a level. He's still challenging relative – level relative to age. This is weird though. Walk rate 14.2%. That's roughly twice the number the, the figure that I told you before for his walk rate, right? Yep. And strikeout rate is 11.1%. Again, sorry for the decimal, but 11.1%. That's almost double what I told you for a strikeout rate before. So he's – somehow he's changed his profile and yet he's his uh, – He's intensified his profile, I guess. But nevertheless, he's he's hitting quite well. Yeah, he's um, – and unlike Kingry, there's not – we can't look at him and say, oh, look, there might be mid-teens home run power here now and mm-hmm. also that kind of speed on the bases. He's got two home runs and five stolen bases. So it's not like he's getting extra value from power. Or speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is just a bat and a favorable defensive profile, but it might be so such an elite bat uh, that it doesn't matter. So this is the sort of player that it's like I'm gonna. I saw him once. I mean, I've seen him before because you know the Padres are out here. But it was interesting to see him like uh, in in affiliated ball, not just like on a on a backfield somewhere hitting. Uh, pitching that's beneath him mm-hmm. um and he was really good yesterday he's just sort of the kind of prospect you, you kind of have to sit and be like okay what how much does this guy have to hit uh-huh. to be an everyday player and just sitting here right now i'm not i don't know that this is the sort of thing that like you sit down and kind of think about it for a right weeks. but he's i imagine that he's 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 difficult for it's difficult to capture his full value just from one look because oh yeah there's there's nothing exceptional about him physically. Right. Yeah, he's he's listed at 5'9", 160. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably heavier than that. It's, it's like a good baseball body, but he is that small. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think he can play shortstop. I know there are people who are like, hey, maybe he can play short, you know. But no, I really don't think so. He's just going to have to hit a ton, but it looks like he's, it looks like he's going to. So where did you see Urias play? Because he plays for San Antonio. Who were they playing? They were in Springfield, Missouri, playing the uh, the Cardinals Double A affiliate there. So I I went from How, why the hell? Yeah, okay. <laughs> all right, so just, he, say, just say in a row all, all the places the, I was. Yeah, so go do that. All right, right so now. I flew from Phoenix to Cincinnati. PHX to Sin. Then I drove from Cincinnati to Louisville. Lou. And I scouted the ACC tournament there. Stop adding that. B- Okay. Just give me the towns. Then I drove back to Cincinnati. <laughs> okay. And flew to Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, 
do you want to know the places I drove to in Pennsylvania, or do you just are you just interested in my next? Flight? One of them is Reading. We know that. Yeah, Reading and Scranton, and Lehigh okay. Valley. Okay. Uh, and then I flew from Newark, New Jersey, to uh, Bentonville, Arkansas, and then drove to Fayetteville, and then drove from Fayetteville to Springfield, Missouri, and then flew from Springfield back to Phoenix. That's a lot of places. Yeah, I saw a lot of the country over the last couple of weeks, and a lot of it looks exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. How many Chipotle's did you eat at? None. None Chipotle's. None Chipotle's. Zero no. Chipotle's. Uh, all right. Well, where the hell are we? Doing? Let's get back first. So let's return to first principles then. All okay. Right. As I am burning to understand, to know about. <laughs> so for our last conversation. So Covington, Kentucky has been invoked <laughs> multiple times in Vanguard's audio. And I, as I relayed to you last time, and I'm not sure if I did it with sufficient intensity, but Travis Sachek, uh, former former reporter, uh, beat reporter for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review and author of Big Data Baseball, author of Big Data Baseball, Travis Sachek, had much to say about Covington, Kentucky. He had really? thoroughly scouted the area, and he had actually crossed a bridge by foot from Covington, Kentucky to Cincinnati, and he, and he was the one who was pretty passionate about making it clear that these are two different places. Now, you flew into Covington, Kentucky. However, it is known, I believe, as Cincinnati Airport. Right. Now, you say here, you just told me in this list of cities you gave me that you flew from Phoenix to Cincinnati. But, of course, we know that's not true. (laughs) You flew from Phoenix to Covington, Kentucky. Did you ever cross the border into Cincinnati? Ohio. Into Ohio. Yeah, to uh, drop off my rental car, yeah. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. So you did. You did enter Ohio at I one did. point. Yeah. But you did not, as you suggested, uh, And I was in Indiana at one point, too. You didn't, you didn't check out Ohio. No, I really didn't check out Cincinnati. You had suggested that you might, but you didn't. Okay, that's yeah. fine. I would have liked to. Have did you do? Didn't, did you spend? Did you pass any time in Covington? Any any substantive time in Co- no, Covington? No, I, I slept there uh, the night before I flew out in the morning. I just slept. I slept in a micro hotel, and went to uh, okay. like um, a strip mar, a strip mar, a strip mall, a strip mar, a strip mar. Okay. Yeah, it was where okay. it was. Uh, women put on Bill Maher masks and strip. Mm. <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> <It's horrifying. laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the worst avant-garde theater yeah, the world could imagine. <laughs> uh, no, I went to a strip mall sports bar one evening mm-hmm. uh, in what I assume is like Covington or Hebron, Kentucky, but yeah. I didn't like experience the culture there. And then you then you passed time in Louisville, Kentucky. Yes, which I enjoyed. where you where, right where you observed the. ACC tournament. We we do not have sufficient time I know, to discuss. I mean, I'd do a long one with you if you wanted to. I I because I'm just sitting here and waiting to pick up jail at the airport. Yeah, I'm concerned because uh, my wife's coming home sometime not that long after five. Okay. She said, and so everything's going to fall apart All when right. that happens. Well, then let's hustle through whatever you think. Yeah, but is best so we about. still disagree about Brendan McKay. I think he's not. A, I don't think he's a first round talent. I feel comfortable saying that. Do you want to do over under career war, Brendan McKay? Sure. 
Pitching and hitting included? Yeah, all right. Let's do it. Career war? Career war. So we can we could settle this bet in however many years. I don't think it's going to be that many years. Do you want to hear my estimate? I'll give you I'll I'll set the I'll set it because I I all feel right. confident about this. All right. I mean, now believe me. Are you, this is just going to be a situation. I mean, can't we just say that you don't like the player and I do? And isn't that good enough for people? Okay. I think that should be good enough for people. If you were going to set his over under, where would you set it? We could take for career we could war. See. Well, I think he's going to be like an above average everyday big leaguer in, in some capacity. Okay, so that's like uh, three wins, three to four yeah, like wins two and season. a half wins annually. Let's say you know over an eight year prime, six year prime, something like that. So. So you'd be fine with 15 to 20? Yeah, like if we – yeah, I think like that's probably – yeah. And I know that it's either it, – and it's an extreme thing, right? Because if he either is that or he isn't, it's it's un, it's more likely that he's either a good big leaguer or not a big mm-hmm. leaguer at all than he is something beneath what I'm describing, right? He's either mm-hmm. going to bust or not. <laughs> I only think it's a bust if you go into it thinking that he's going to be a success. If uh, if I if I if I were drafted in the first round, if I were drafted in the first round, Eric, and I didn't make the major leagues, would you call that a bust? Uh probably yeah. Yeah, I have a hard, like I feel bad calling everyone a bust when a lot sure. of what happens to players is circumstance. Like guys get hurt and stuff, and it's not. Their well, fault. no, no, wait, no, no, like no, 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 sorry, I didn't. Bust, which is fine. Like my yeah. example was not good. My example was not good. If you if a guy drafted in the thirty fifth round doesn't make the major leagues, do you call that a bust? No, no, because it's a question of expectations, Correct. right? Yeah. So this is what I think. I think the expectations on Brendan McKay are unreasonable. I I have no problem with Brendan McKay as a ball player. That's my point. I think the expectations okay. are unreasonable. I think that's fair. I think it. I think it's a matter of the. I think it's a matter of teams conflating the fact that he's really a really good college. Pitcher and a really good college hitter, thinking that's going to be that he's going to be one or the other at the major league level. Yes, I've yeah. talked to people in baseball who think exactly that. That that okay. as a prospect in general, yes, he's like a top ten prospect in this draft, mm-hmm. but not. I but uh, certainly in the public sphere for a time when he was being talked about as like the guy, mm-hmm. uh, that that was probably due to him being overrated because he does both well. When realistically, he's just going to do one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I Adam Hazley, however, Adam Hazley, we talk to me about Adam Hazley. Yeah, I can. I think he's good. That's all. I was, you, did you see Hazley play? I did see him play. At the I saw him play really well. Um, okay. That's great to hear. Yeah, is he center field? Is he going to be an average center fielder? He's going to be. I think he's going to be an above average defensive center fielder. Well, there you freaking go. Uh, it was really neat to see him play center field, to see Chase Pinder at Clemson play center field. And Brian Miller at North Carolina play center field all in the same tournament because you can sort of gauge them all off of one another. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that's a great thought. And Hazley was clearly the best of the three defensively. And also probably and also has the best bat to ball skills of the three. I think Pinder ultimately That Virginia team Oh, go ahead. Wait, so who won the AC tournament? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just there to see the players. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that Virginia offense is crazy, though. We 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 spoke of them last time. Spoke of them. Yeah. We spoke of them. Sorry, so my token is the influence of token. So yeah, I think Hazley's going to be off the board in the top ten. I, teams really like him. I really like him uh, from a scouting standpoint. 
you really like him from the statistics standpoint. I think Chris's Cato backs it up. He's just a really good. Yeah, but I listen. Doctor. I'm not a. I'm a human too. I'm not immune to the scouting reports on him. Oh, I know. I know. But that. you don't treat me like a like well, I'm. Well, I'm not. A, I'm not. Like I'm just totally ignorant of the data either. No, yeah, that's a good point. But we certainly. Hey, uh, hey, hey. Go ahead. Hey, what's hey. next? Yeah, you made a good point. Okay. Florida State. Yeah. Who who do you like from Florida State? Do you have anybody? I'm kind of lukewarm on a couple of their guys. For this year, anyway. They have the left-handed pitcher who is, like, at the top of the charts in terms of uh, the stats. Listen, I just got a note that I only got five minutes to record. Okay. It's going to stop in five minutes. All right. But you, first of all, will you please explain what the hell a regional is? Sure. College baseball regional is... Equivalent to the uh, the first round of the NCAA basketball March Madness tournament. Oh, okay. Just like in basketball, there's a field of 64 teams, mm-hmm. and it starts there. Uh, NCAA essentially doles out 16 hosting sites to the number one seeds, and four teams go to those sites that are usually determined geographically. So I was at the regional in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Arkansas was there. Oral Roberts University's team was there. They are from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oklahoma mm-hmm. State uh, was at that regional. They're from Stillwater, Oklahoma. And Missouri State was there. They're from Springfield, Missouri. So those are all geographically close to Arkansas. Arkansas was one of the best 16 teams in the country, according to the NCAA selection uh, committee. So they got to host the site. Uh, the committee also takes uh, size of venue and uh, like hotels, the viability of a hosting site beyond just who the best baseball teams are yeah. into account. Those are these going teams, on still? Are these are these regionals still going on? Some of them done? are going on as we speak. They're like in their final games, either due to weather issues or because the four-team double elimination tournament that ensues has required the championship round to go to two games so that someone will okay. lose a second time. All right. You're doing a really good job of doing this. Well, I'm a professional, Carson. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so then that's the regional. Whoever comes out of the regional um, will move on to a super regional, and the host of that site is – the brackets are connected like they are in the basketball tournament. So whoever comes out of one regional will pair up with a predetermined second regional, mm-hmm. uh, and whoever is the highest seed between the two of them will end up hosting the super regional. So it is possible for lower seeds to host a super regional, but it is uh, pretty rare. Okay. You did a great job. I'm going to start watching this immediately. The bracket needs to be a better – it needs to be more widely uh, advertised for the basketball or for the baseball. I need to be able to see the bracket. i got to find the bracket. i got to find my bracket. Hey. You can just search for it. It's like the last place to check out who is seeing what players because after this weekend, teams pretty much get all their scouting personnel into a room and sit down – for the last week before the draft and uh, sift through everything they've collected over the last several months yeah. rather than getting out and seeing Listen, players anymore. We didn't even get to your list. We're going to get to it the next time we speak. And then it's going to, I'm going to try and make sure that's before the draft. When's the draft? Uh, a week from today. Okay. Maybe we'll talk one time in between, but maybe not too. Maybe we could also do like a post. Cause I'm also doing the sit in your office and sift through all the information thing now. So okay. I'll, I'll, all right. I'm around. 
I'm ready. All right. Thank you so much, Eric Longenhagen. Oh, uh, my pleasure. That has been Eric Longenhagen. He is the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com. I'm Carson Sestouli, and this has been Fangraphs Audio.